Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 welcome back to the channel. Today I'm going to be giving you some information, some facts on the breakout running backs, or at least the players that I believe are breakout running backs for the Fantasy Football 2020 football season. How are you all doing today? Hopefully you're relaxed and hopefully your shoes are off. You're kicking back, you got a beer, you got a water, whatever you're into, I don't really care. Just get yourself a beverage, relax. The next 20 to 30 minutes are all for you. We're going to break down a few of these breakout running backs for the 2020 season that I find to be breakout running backs. A little spoiler alert with one of them behind me right now. I'm pretty sure I butchered that whole word. Spoiler alert. There you go. Uh, But I'm excited to break this one down. Welcome if you're brand new here. Maybe you haven't seen some of my content. You're going to enjoy this. I hope you enjoy this. I put a ton of work, six to seven hours for this video and all my other videos. I really do appreciate you stopping in and watching my content. It's truly humbling. And right now, drop down and answer the question of the day for me. Would rather own Devin Singletary or David Montgomery running backs for the 2020 season? Maybe they're breakout running backs for this year. Maybe they're not. Maybe they broke out last year. Who knows with these rookies, but we'll talk about it in this video. Let me know what the former rookies, now sophomore running backs, would rather have David Montgomery or Devin Singletary. Let me know down below. And if you can, a big old subscribe button is going to pop up on the screen. Be sure to hit that. If you have watched my videos before and you've gotten any sort of value information from them you found useful, which I believe a lot of people have been saying positive things, please do hit that subscribe button, bottom right-hand corner of your screen. And if you're brand new here, you can hit the subscribe button, but if you want to give it a chance, see what it's about, see if you get some value, totally understand that as well. Appreciate you being here. Let's get into these running backs. Let's get into the breakout running backs for the 2020 fantasy football season, starting with none other than Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Mixon. Now, Joe Mixon has been a beast since he's come into the league. He's been top five in yards created, even though he's run behind some of the worst offensive lines. Last year, he ran behind the 31st ranked run blocking unit. There's only 32 teams in the league. So literally the second worst run blocking unit in the entire league. They were decimated through injuries. They had some issues with guys just having some kind of legal issues with the team. All these things were happening. It was a bad offensive line to begin with. And honestly, they didn't do much to improve it. But what did Joe Mixon go out there and do last year? Well, he led the league in evaded tackles, which pretty much said he had 103 evaded tackles last year. He was a beast. It pretty much said, I don't have an offensive line. I'm going to just do this whole thing myself. And that's what he did with 103 evaded tackles. He was absolutely cooking. He had 278 carries and 313 combined targets plus attempts, his opportunities, ended up being 17.4 per contest. He produced over 1,100 yards, eight touchdowns, and caught 35 of 45 targets. So some pretty good passing game usage as well. He was fifth in the NFL in carries, seventh in red zone touches per game at three per game, and 19th in fantasy points per game at 14.1. Now here's where things started to get a little bit spicy for uh, for Joey Mixon here. At Graham Barfield, you can see his tweet, follow him over on Twitter at Graham Barfield, part of fantasypoints.com. You can see the final eight games of the season, and this is something I've touched on in a previous video, but Graham had a really nice and easily accessible table over on Twitter to use. So the final eight games for Joe Mixon, pretty much it was perfect in line with their bye week. So they had a bye at week nine, final eight games from weeks 10 to week seven. He finished as the RB seven with 18.2 fantasy points per game compared to his season average of right around 14.1. So he absolutely went off. He had 124.3 scrimmage yards per game and 24.3 touches per game. Both of those were top three in the NFL. And he just absolutely started going off. He played 12% more of the snaps. You can see all the things that were happening here. Started running six more routes per week, which ended up being an increase to his overall career numbers that he's ever seen before. He started getting the lion's share of the carries. Gio Bernard was phased out. Some of the rookies and second year players behind him really never even touched the ball. His snap percentage went from 67% to 75%. And his overall red zone touches went from only 69% where they were giving Gio Bernard some usage, especially a couple of targets here or there to 83%. He became a workhorse back. And this was as the offensive line just continued to get injured. And at some points, maybe it looked like they were having some sort of glimpse of hope 
but for the most part were decimated throughout the entire season. So Joe Mixon improved as the season went on, continued to break tackles and evade tackles, and honestly was finishing and, and trending those last eight weeks as a top five running back, as you can see in all of his production numbers. And that's why I think he's a breakout this year. Look, you're going to get an improved offense, right? I don't think Andy Dalton was bad by any means, but they bench him for a month of the season to put in Ryan Finley, who was bad, was borderline, if not the worst quarterback in the league for those four weeks. So that hurts your running game when they say, oh, we know you, your only weapon is pretty much Joe Mixon, right? You got Tyler Boyd out of the slot on the outside. He's never really a true number one receiver. You got some younger players who are inexperienced out here with John Ross ended up being hurt, AJ Green not playing. And now you don't have your quarterback with a bad offensive line. This is easy pickings. We know what Joe Mixon is doing. And he still was able to produce. Now imagine with AJ Green back, Tyler Boyd back in his accustomed role as the wide receiver three. Second round draft pick T Higgins out there with some other wide receivers and the John Rosses and other guys that are actually going to be able to help you on offense, including the number one overall pick in Joe Burrow. Now the offensive line, they didn't really do much. And I'll put up the additions in the offseason here. Like they did nothing, right? They added an interior offensive lineman. They lost a couple of guys in Cordy Glenn, who had some issues in terms of just communications with the team and a relationship with the team was not great. They lost John Miller, and then they didn't do anything in the draft until the sixth round. So they're banking on just the health of this offensive line. Maybe they think that the sixth round pick and the addition of the interior offensive lineman Xavier in the offseason is going to help, but it's going to be hard pressed to really improve this line all that much. But maybe they also just think if they get better quarterback play, better receivers to get the ball out quicker and an improved defense, if anything, compared to last year, because secondary was brutal, also decimated by injuries to pretty much every single safety and cornerback that they had. They were down to like fourth string safeties and, and backup safeties playing cornerback at one point. So if they think that those things just regress because of injuries positively for them, maybe they think that it helps the offensive line. Maybe that I think it helps the offense in general. And I can't say that I disagree with it. So Joe Mixon was quite literally in the worst situation you could be last year, the 31st ranked offensive line, the worst quarterback for a month of the season in the league in Ryan Finley with no offensive weapons around him with John Ross and AJ Green not there, really just relying on Tyler Boyd to keep him somewhat out of eight man fronts. And he still was able to beast out. He still was able to finish the season as a top seven running back over the last eight weeks. So yes, I like Joe Mixon a ton. I like him as a breakout candidate. You might think, oh, but he's a top eight ranked running back. He's my sixth overall ahead of Derrick Henry. Sal, if he's that high, how can you actually think he's a breakout player? Well, Davin Cook was being ranked in a similar territory last year. Aaron Jones was being ranked in a similar territory last year. What did they do? Aaron Jones finished second overall. Dalvin Cook was trending to finish second overall until he ends up getting hurt the last couple of weeks of the season. So I think that Joe Mixon this year, you're getting him at the beginning of the second round, maybe the end of the first, but I see him going a lot of the times at like pick 16, which is beginning or middle of the second round, according to Fantasy Pro's average draft position. If that's where he's ending up going in 12 team drafts, and you might be drafting in leagues right now, and you're like, no, 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 he's always going off the board at like the eighth or ninth overall pick in the first round. And I agree. I see that a lot. But once you start getting out of these expert leagues, and once you start drafting with people who come in in the summer in like July and August, they're going to start taking Joe Mixon at like the 12th, the 13th. They're going to start taking Aaron Jones over him based on what happened last season. Right now, people that are drafting are normally sharper because they're paying attention this early. So he might be going at like the ninth and 10th pick, but that's what mainly guys who are sharper actually drafting right now. Once you get the fish in the pool, it's going to lower all these other players down for a good amount, their ADPs. I think Joe Mixon will start to get taken at the front of the second round. And with that, he's very similar to Aaron Jones. He's very similar to Dalvin Cook last year. And I think he's a huge, huge breakout upside player. Now the backfield competition, like it's really not much. Giovanni Bernard, they signed him to a contract, a two-year extension worth $9.7 million, I believe last year, beginning of last year, but he did nothing, right? 53 attempts for 170 yards. He was absolutely brutal. One of the worst true yard per carries in the league. He got 30 or 43 targets, but he started to get phased out, especially in the red zone. And also just overall, Joe Mixon was running six more routes per game, those final eight games of the season. Cincinnati does like their former six-round pick last year, Trevion Williams, who was actually hurt for part of the season, beginning of the year. 
training camp uh, during the 2019 season. So maybe I wouldn't be shocked to see them just cut Giovanni Bernard. He's not doing and guaranteed a ton of money. And then you have Trevion Williams as the backup. But right now, Joe Mixon is by far the workhorse in this backfield. He's probably one of like 12 true workhorses in the entire league, if that. And I like it a lot with an improved offense and him actually taking on a bigger pass catching role in the red zone dominating role last year. Give me Joe Mixon as a huge breakout running back. I'm very high on him. My second breakout running back candidate is going to be Miles Sanders. And he's a very trendy name right now. And a lot of people love the guy. And I do too. It's hard not to like him. And I'll talk about some of his things from last year and his outlook for this year. But I do want to call out the elephant in the room in that depending on when you're watching this, a veteran running back might have been signed. Carlos Hyde was signed by the Seahawks to be the backup to Chris Carson. The other veteran running backs in the market are LaShawn McCoy, the former Eagle, are Devonta Freeman, who said he will sit out. And then he said, no, that was a lie. I won't sit out, but he wouldn't take the $1.5 million deal that had $4 million if he hit a bunch of incentives that apparently it was more realistic that he would make less than 2 million. So can't blame him. And then there's like guys like Lamar Miller who are out there who I think they're pretty low on the pecking order after being injured all of last season. And if I'm going to be completely honest and blunt with you, I am not concerned with LaShawn McCoy. I am not concerned with Devonta Freeman being back there. Look, both of those guys are worse than Jordan Howard. And I know Jordan Howard last year played the first half of the season dealt with a little bit of an injury. Miles Sanders comes on and just takes charge of that backfield the final five, six games of the entire year. So I'm not threatened by Devonta Freeman, a guy who, yes, two to three years ago, really three years ago, was really good for the Atlanta Falcons. was a good pass catching weapon. Maybe he's still a better pass catcher than a guy like Jordan Howard was last year, but he's not a better pass catcher than Miles Sanders. So I'm not worried about that threat taking Sanders off the field. He's likely not a better goal line back at this point in his career than Miles Sanders. And then you talk about LaShawn McCoy, who we got to see last year be an absolute cloud of dust, whether it was fumbling issues, whether it was just showing any sort of really burst after contact after the catch, he just didn't have it with the Kansas City Chiefs. And even a guy who was his big biggest believer on Andy Reid started to healthy scratch him and say we're saving him for the postseason in which he never played and then his running back and his countermate Damian Williams was the highlight and the star of the Super Bowl outside of Patrick Mahomes and arguably for many uh, he was the MVP of the Super Bowl I think it was Mahomes because obviously I think he leads that comeback but Damian Williams was just miles better than LeSean McCoy last year and that's going to be the case for Miles Sanders this year so yeah Sal they might take four to five touches a game away yeah Jordan Halbert's taking more than that away even when Miles Sanders was cooking down the season and averaging around 20 touches per game yes the final five games of the season last year, he averaged, or final six games, he averaged 19.6 touches per game compared to 14.3 for the rest of the season. That's because he started to become the workhorse running back. Jordan Howard and the backup running backs during those weeks weren't just getting zero touches those weeks. They were getting some touches as well. So I don't think Miles Sanders has to be a 22 to 24 touch per game guy. I don't even think he has to be a 20 touch per game guy. Give me 16 to 18 touches out of Miles Sanders per game and you can go and get Devonta Freeman. You can go and get whoever the guy they're going to get is LaShawn McCoy and feed that guy and the other running backs five touches per game. That's completely fine for me because Miles Sanders is going to be the number one pass catching back. He's likely going to be, for the most part, a three down back, and he's likely going to get a ton of red zone work. So don't get overhyped when these dusty old 30 year old running backs or late 20s that are dealing with injuries and haven't had success in two years running backs come in as a backup here to Miles Sanders. People want to jump up and down about him. This is a second year player who broke out last year. They spent a dra- second round draft pick on him, and he's an absolute beast, in my opinion, based on everything you're seeing in the offseason for his training, for his upside, in my opinion, and then last year, what he actually was able to produce in those final six games. So to get into really what he did last year, he only played on 53.7% of the snaps, but that rose as the season went on, especially that last third of the season. He had 179 carries, over 800 yards, and six touchdowns, but the big one, he caught 50 balls on 63 targets for 509 yards. 
a man who was on a limited role, who played less than half the snaps for more than half of the season, right around half the season, caught 50 balls and 63 targets. Yes, they didn't have any wide receiver help. Yes, Greg Ward was their best wide receiver at one point as Nelson Aguilar was dropping passes and Deshaun Jackson for the second year in a row gets injured right away. And Alshon Jeffrey just becomes a possession receiver when he actually is healthy. I understand all that. I understand that they just needed to check the ball down. They needed to factor in him. That just shows that they trust him as a playmaker. And he was able to kind of get thrown into the fire, if you will, baptized by fire and succeed, right? 50 receptions, 63 targets, over 500 receiving yards, not even to count that he had a total of 1,327 total yards on 229 touches. And I think that this is a guy who can easily see 250 touches. I think there's an opportunity for him to push for 280 to 300 touches. I mean, if we're looking at 18 to 20 touches per game, yes, he's going to get you around that 280 touch range. And that's exactly what you want out of a borderline top 10 overall pick, top 10 running back pick. And I like it. Even if Devonta Freeman is signed, even if McCoy, one of these guys are actually signed back there. I have him as a borderline top 10 running back right now. I have him right around a top 15 overall pick. I don't really care if those guys sign. I'm not going to move them all that much unless we get news that, oh, it's going to be a 50-50 split. And based on the contract that Miles Sanders has as a rookie, and based on his playing style and success and how he was orchestrated into this team last year, I'm not concerned with these old and dusty veterans. So let's see what they actually did this offseason. They actually brought in some running backs and nothing of note. The former running back that they had last year, Corey Clement, not really concerned about him. Elijah Holyfield, a former Panther, did nothing there because he was behind Christian McCaffrey. Not concerned about him. They get Marquise Goodwin, Technically, not really in free agency, but they get him through a trade during the draft. Then they lose Nelson Aguilar, Jordan Howard, Richard Rodgers, and an offensive tackle. So they also end up losing right now. I guess technically they haven't lost him as I'm recording this, but Jason Peters isn't signed with the team. He did at one point mention retirement, but now they said that he's in negotiations, but there's been no talk with him in, this, in the Eagles as of now. So we'll see. And then the NFL draft, they just said, you know, what, we're going to address our biggest need for the most part and just load up on wide receivers and offensive line. And they didn't need offensive linemen, but no Jason Peters, but losing Vata, you might as well get some offensive linemen. So they draft two offensive linemen. They draft Jalen Hurts at QB in the second. Interesting pick, but I don't hate it. And then they get a lot of wide receivers. Outside of Marquise Goodwin, the trade, they get Jalen Rieger in the first round. They get John Hightower in the fifth, and then Quez Watkins in the sixth. So they get a bunch of receivers to come away with four when you factor in the 49ers trade with Marquise Goodwin. And now they'll end up getting both their tight ends still, Miles Sanders, Alshon Jeffrey, and Deshaun Jackson. I mean, we don't have any news on Deshaun Jackson. If he's going to play, I assume he's going to play, but they'll be coming back. So you have a reloaded offense where they had no wide receivers last year, and now they're bringing in four new wide receivers, and their two veterans are going to be coming back from injury after they they had two top 10 fantasy tight ends last year and a breakout rookie running back. So yes, I like the overall offense and a uh, rising tide lifts all boats. I think it's going to lift Miles Sanders boat to the absolute moon. Six touchdowns last year. There's an upside here for Miles Sanders to see double digit touchdowns. There's an upside here for him to see to over 250 to 280 total touches. And I like that a lot when you factor in his receiving game, there's an upside for Miles Sanders to see 1500 plus yards. When you factor all those things in, maybe he doesn't hit every single one of those tallies, but when you factor those all in, running back top 10 upside and honestly top five upside is well within the range of outcomes for Miles Sanders and his skill set. So just briefly touch on the current backfield situation. It is Corey Clement, Boston Scott, and Elijah Holyfield. Boston Scott was actually successful last year. Good pass catcher, was active and dynamic on the ground. So honestly, if they signed a Devonta Freeman or anything like that, it might actually make the situation better for Miles Sanders. Like, like no joking at all. If they sign Devonta Freeman, or if they sign a guy like uh, Lamar Miller or LaShawn McCoy, it's going to be better than if Boston Scott was the primary backup. Because based on the money that they give those guys, Devonta Freeman would end up being the direct backup at that point, or whoever the veteran is. Whereas Boston Scott, in my opinion, is the more talented running back out of all of those veteran running backs at this point. They would just want to get a veteran because that's just what coaching does in the NFL right now. They're not as advanced, even if Doug Peterson is, or just comfortability and experience of a guy to back up your second year running back. I get that as well. The more that I think about it, it would actually make me like Miles Sanders more. You can see this tweet here from Evan Silva. It was Greg Colesell who said it. He's also a part of fantasy uh, points and some other sites as well. But he pretty much just says Miles Sanders is a guy we should be looking at from a fantasy perspective because he's going to be their number one back and he's a very good receiver. Without question, I agree with Greg. I look at Sanders as someone who's ready to 
become a big time back in this league. I 100% agree. I'm not joking when I say, if you told me Miles Sanders finished where Aaron Jones kind of did last year, right? That RB2 range, maybe not that high, but somewhere around the top five RBs, I would say, yeah, yeah you know what? I, I can see that. Like, I literally think that's in his range of outcomes. And if he finished outside the top 10, I would be surprised at this point. Miles Sanders is a breakout running back for me this year. I think that very similar to Joe Mixon, he can finish as a top three running back and I would not be shocked. I personally think Jonathan Taylor is going to break out as a rookie. I personally think Jonathan Taylor is going to be the starting running back of the Indianapolis Colts by probably the end of the first month of the season, if not right out of the gate. Jonathan Taylor in college at Wisconsin was the best pure runner we have ever seen, potentially ever, but at least the last four years in college on the ground in his own running scheme. Better than Saquon Barkley on the ground. When you factor in Saquon Barkley's receiving ability, his intangibles, yes, he's a better overall weapon than Jonathan Taylor, hence why he went so early, and also the changing of the NFL, why Jonathan Taylor slipped to the second round. But on the ground, make no mistake about it, the second round pick does not matter as much as the NFL evolving and realizing they don't need to pay running backs first round money with the fifth year options and all that. Jonathan Taylor is an absolute beast who would have went as probably a top 10 pick five years ago. He's 5'11", he's 226 pounds, he ran a 4.39, and he's comp to Zeke. And he's very similar to Zeke in that did not have a ton of pass catching work in college, but he was a beast on the ground and some pretty good run blocking scheme offenses. Zeke at Ohio State. Jonathan Taylor now comes in like Zeke did into a great offensive line situation in Dallas. Jonathan Taylor coming into one of the best offensive line situations you possibly can when he's coming into Indy this year. Indy is a borderline top five offensive line in the league. Quentin Nelson is the best offensive lineman in the league. And Jonathan Taylor now gets to run behind that. And Marlon Mack benefited. And Marlon Mack, sadly, who has been really good and solid, he's just dealing with injuries. He hasn't really given them that oomph factor that Jonathan Taylor just provided when they traded up for him in the second round. Another reason people forget, they traded up for this guy. They're not going to just let him play 30% of the snaps this year. He's going to play at the very least half of the snaps for maybe a couple weeks. And then I think he's going to fully take over, push Naeem Hines out. Maybe Marlon Mack takes on that Naeem Hines role. Because people also forget that Marlon Mack was a good pass catcher in college. They just haven't used him in that role this year. So I get all the hype. Some people are tweeting out, oh, Naeem Himes, they want to use him and make him catch passes more. No, the exact quotes were that Naeem Himes is not selfish. He will take the role that is pretty much given to him. That's how I transcribe those quotes. But the headlines that people give you are to try and stir up some drama, try and stir up some people talking about it. Naeem Himes, you should not be worried about Naeem Himes, a man whose contract expires in two years. Naeem Himes is nowhere near an above average running back, nowhere near an above average pass catching weapon. He's average to below average. Jonathan Taylor is an elite weapon in my opinion. So I'm not listening to none of that noise. I have Jonathan Taylor currently as my running back 20. My full on rankings, uh, based on when you're watching this, if you're watching this in sometime in mid-June, they'll be linked up down below a way to get my draft guide. It'll cost you only 10 bucks. I spent months on it. There's a ton of information, way more than $10 worth in there. So you can check that out. If you're watching this towards the end of May, early June, it might not be out yet, but just come back and check it out. I'll be mentioning it in most of my videos. That is a draft guide. And also hit the subscribe button if you're still here. Hit the like button if you're liking this analysis. I appreciate that. You doing that within the video allows YouTube to say, oh, these people are engaging. They're subscribing. That means we should show it to more people. So thank you so much. Another knock on Jonathan Taylor is, oh, Sally can't catch. I mean, Zeke couldn't catch before he came out of college. Melvin Gordon couldn't catch. I'll put up Graham Barfield's tweet right here. Melvin Gordon's final three years at Wisconsin, right? Final three years, 41 games, 22 receptions. Jonathan Taylor's receiving game last year, 26 receptions. So he had four more receptions in one year last year. And you saw Melvin Gordon have for three seasons at Wisconsin. So I don't want to hear any of that noise. And you want to know something else that's crazy? Melvin Gordon came out and went to the Chargers where he played with Philip Rivers, who historically with Drew Brees checks down to running backs. You know who Jonathan Taylor gets to play with this year? Philip Rivers, who historically checks down to running backs. So I love that. Jonathan Taylor officially wise was a better pass catching running back efficiency wise on a per touch basis than Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Clyde Edwards Hilaire volume wise, yes, he caught a bunch of checkdowns for like five, six yards. Jonathan Taylor, when he actually caught the ball, was better after the catch. I think it's very unfair and it's very groupthink oriented for people to just say, oh, he had a lot of rushing yards, but he only ended up having last year uh, 252 receiving yards compared to all these other guys and only caught 26 balls compared to Clyde Edwards Hilaire's 55. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But that means nothing to me. That's the offense in the scheme that you were in. He was successful when he actually caught the ball. Clyde Edwards Hilaire was fine when he caught the ball, average, but Clyde 
Clyde Edwards Lair was nowhere near as successful as Taylor was on the ground. And then you factor in Taylor being efficient in the passing game. This guy's an absolute stud. Jonathan Taylor is a breakout running back for me his rookie season because I think Jonathan Taylor, honestly, like maybe it's a bold prediction, can finish as a top 10 running back, can finish as a top five running back, depending on how early he takes over the role here. I mean, let's just look at last year, right? Marlon Mack only played in 14 games. Marlon Mack had 247 carries. He had almost 1,100 yards, 1,091 yards, and eight touchdowns. That was in 14 games. That was as a less talented running back than what Jonathan Taylor is going to be, just based on college profile. And that was having 14 receptions. Marlon Mack last year did that in 14 games. Imagine if Marlon Mack plays two more games. He probably ends up going over 1200 yards. He probably flirts with 10 touchdowns on the ground. And then he's a borderline and he is a top 10 running back at that point. Now you insert Jonathan Taylor, somebody who could be more efficient behind the exact same offensive line that continues to just get better as they age. Quinn Nelson entering into another year in the NFL under his belt now as the reigning back-to-back best offensive lineman in the entire league. So yeah, I do think that Jonathan Taylor, depending if he takes the job right from week one, I think he'll be a top 10 running back and has the upside to be top five. If it takes him a month, it's going to be harder to get to top five. He'll have to push a little harder to actually get the top 10, just based on being in a running back by committee for four weeks. But if he's healthy, this man's an absolute beast. I think he's the best rookie running back in the draft. Yes, Clyde Edwards Taylor got the best landing spot for his skill set, but best pure running back in the draft is Jonathan Taylor. I'll quickly just pop up with the Colts did in the offseason. The biggest thing was just getting Philip Rivers. They got also Trey Burton as sort of a backup at this point to Jack Doyle. They ended up losing Eric Ebron, Devin Funches, who played like a game there before he got hurt. Now he's with the Packers. And that was really it. Lost some offensive linemen, picked up some more offensive linemen in the draft. The biggest thing was the draft though. Aside from getting Jonathan Taylor, they got Michael Pittman, who I think is a sleeper. Write down Michael Pittman's name as well. I'm sure he'll be in something in my draft guide, but also in the sleepers video. Write down Michael Pittman's name. They're already saying they want him to be the X receiver. They want him to play a similar role to what Vincent Jackson played for Philip Rivers with the Chargers, which if you have been playing fantasy football or following football for more than like one to two years, you know who Vincent Jackson was. He was an absolute beast. He was over a thousand yards pretty much every single year with Philip Rivers. Big body receiver on the outside. Then they want to put T.Y. Hilton in on the opposite side and put Paris Campbell in the slot. That's a very good offense. It's a good and young offense, at least has upside, especially when you put Jonathan Taylor back there. So that's what they did in the draft. They took Jacob Deason, potentially their future quarterback. I'm not really high on his arm in general, but they took him in the fourth round. So yeah, some really nice draft picks for their offensive side of the ball. They get Phillip Rivers. This is an offense that is clicking that already has a great offensive line that usually plays a very safe and sturdy zone defense that just allows for big plays not to happen. I like the fact that Phillip Rivers there, who it's kind of being underreported, how he just checks it down to running backs nonstop. And now, yes, Jonathan Taylor might not be profiling out as this pass catching guy. But like we said, I think he takes that step forward. Like you saw from Zeke when he entered the NFL, like you saw from Melvin Gordon and just a lot of guys in general, they change their college scheme to the NFL scheme, depending on the offense and coaching staff that they have. And most guys can just catch five yard passes, right? It's, it's, it doesn't seem that hard for these talented players. So Jonathan Taylor as a rookie is a breakout for me. I'll hit you with that double trouble. Cam Akers, my fourth breakout right now. Please, if you're still watching, hit that subscribe button, hit the like button. There's, there's the like button and then smash that subscribe button and the notification bell. It does help me out a ton. Let me know down below, which, which ones do you agree with? Which ones do you disagree with? Who else do you think is a breakout? But Cam Akers, another rookie for me. Uh, I'll list some honorable mentions at the end of this one. But Cam Akers, I like him a lot. I think that you don't take a running back in the second round with pick, uh, the 20th pick in the second round after taking a running back in Daryl Henderson last year in the third round, if you don't actually trust that guy in Daryl Henderson. And it doesn't seem like they like the way he fits the zone scheme. There was talks last year about how in practices, Daryl Henderson was just really struggling to pick up the NFL offense, pick up the scheme and really mesh well with the offense. And then they go out and take Cam Akers in the second round. So I think that kind of just reaffirms that they're probably going to give Cam Akers at some point this season. And the goal is that hopefully it's earlier than later, but at some point a role to take on a huge part of this offense. And maybe it's the Miles Sanders effect. Maybe it's not until the second half of the year. And then really the last third of the season where Sanders popped off that Cam Akers is, is that, is that guy in their offense, right? But at that point, that would be considered a breakout for me. If you're spending maybe a six round pick, he's your RB three and you get half of a season as top 15 production out of him and borderline top 10. Yeah, I like that. But there are some concerns with Cam Akers. And the main concern 
is one. I mean, maybe he's just in an RBBC the whole entire season. Malcolm Brown is still there, who was terrible. Wouldn't be shocked if he ends up getting cut. Malcolm Brown, between all these guys, John Kelly, Malcolm Brown, Daryl Henderson, I assume one to two of them ends up getting cut. Malcolm Brown is a free agent next year. He's only due $1 million this year. So none of that is all guaranteed either. So I wouldn't be shocked if he just gets cut. The other downside is just how bad this offensive line was last year. And yes, they re-signed Andrew Whitworth, their probably best offensive lineman, if you will. But outside of that, just not much positives on this offensive line. The offensive line is not great at all. And it's a big reason why they struggled last year. But Todd Gurley had a ton of touches. He relied on 14 touchdowns to get him there, but his yards per touch dropped. Now, I don't think that's all on the offensive line. I think it's just a skill set and injury issue with Todd Gurley as well. The offensive line ranked 26 in run blocking efficiency. I'll put it up on the board right now. Ranked 31st overall. They had just 93.7 rushing yards per game, which was bottom eight after being like top 10 in that category the previous two seasons with a healthier Todd Gurley and a better offensive line. But just look at the opportunity that Cam Akers is coming into. Matt Dijeski, tweets out, follow him, Matt underscore Jajewski on Twitter. Matt Jajewski tweets out, out of all the rookie running backs, Cam Akers walks into the best opportunity. It makes sense. Todd Gurley is now no longer there, who was a bell cow last year. 231 attempts, by far the most out of any of the rookie running backs, almost 60 plus more than anybody else. And then 49 running back targets, which also leads all the rookie running backs. This is what Cam Akers is walking into. He's a better pass catcher, in my opinion, than Malcolm Brown and more dynamic at this point as a younger player coming out of college and Daryl Henderson Jr. at this point. He's a better pass protector than likely both of those guys just straight out coming out of college. And honestly, he's better a pure runner on the ground than both of them. Malcolm Brown has shown nothing. Daryl Henderson Jr. We haven't gotten to see a lot out of, but I'm just going to bank on the second round draft pick capital compared to Henderson's third round and the harder competition at Florida State that you ended up seeing Cam Akers face compared to Memphis for Daryl Henderson Jr. Yeah, I do think that Cam Akers is the better overall running back here and the draft capital proves that. In college last year at Florida State, he had the fourth worst offensive line they had to run behind. So running behind really bad offensive lines, he's probably not going to have to worry too much about that or he's going to get used to it really quickly because he's going to do it again this year for the Rams or at least the profiles out that way. He had 231 carries for over 1,100 yards, 14 touchdowns, and he caught 30 of 38 targets. He was top 10 in missed tackles for so similar to Joe Mixon, like bad offensive lines, but Cam Akers last year was actually getting some evaded tackles, doing well there. He had a 9.7% target share, which anything approaching 10% for running backs in college is very good. It shows that they have that skill set to actually be a pass catching running back and show some versatility and a threat there. So for me, Cam Akers as like a six round pick or wherever you're getting him in your specific league drafts, it's a good one. He's somebody that I'm targeting as my RB4. I'm getting a lot of RBs early in my drafts. If I can get Cam Akers in the fifth or sixth round as my RB4, I like it a lot because look, he can be the guy right out of the gate. Like I wouldn't be shocked if he takes on the Josh Jacobs role that Josh Jacobs did week one last year, 18 touches. I would not be shocked if Cam Akers comes out and has 15 carries and two or three receptions in week one for the Rams. I would not be shocked at all. Now, if it takes him a month, if it takes him five or six weeks to actually get that full on workload, that's fine. If you're taking him as your RB3 or RB4, you're banking on that upside of him. Just put it this way. I'd rather be taking Cam Akers than taking a dusty old running back like a Carrion Johnson or Marlon Mack, who they're trending down with better running backs in their backfield. than a Jordan Howard, who might be a starting running back, but you're relying at that point on a bunch of touchdowns as he has no real burst in between the 20s and he has no pass catching up. Upside. Whereas Kate Makers, we know he has all the upside in the world. Yes, he's behind a bad offensive line, at least profiles out based on last year. Maybe there'll be improvements naturally, but we know he has this talent and upside. So I'm banking on talent. We know that the opportunity based on his draft capital and no other running backs being there, no veterans, a dusty old Malcolm Brown, a guy that they kind of don't believe in at this point based on drafting Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson Jr. We know that there's not a huge threat there for a very talented running back. At some point, that's just going to become this guy's going to get the carries. He's going to prove himself. And if he does, he's going to be an absolute beast. So those are my four running backs that I 
I think are breakout candidates this year. I have some honorable mentions. David Montgomery, I think, is an honorable mention just based on volume alone and a better overall offense. Darius Geis, if he just stays healthy. I mean, last year, he was literally the number one player in yards created per touch for the four weeks that he stayed healthy from weeks 11 through 15, I believe. And he actually was an RB1 in week 13, and he averaged 7.1 yards per carry. He's a beast. He just has to stay healthy. I actually had him over Cam Akers to talk about in this video. I've talked about him in previous videos, but they signed every single running back under the moon and Peyton Barber and JD McKissick. So I do think he's still the best running back in that backfield. Just back-to-back years of knee injuries, similar to on Johnson. It is scary at that point. And then finally, his teammate, Antonio Gibson, who in a lot of formats will probably be listed as a wide receiver. We'll see how they use him, but I think he's a late round breakout candidate. Doesn't mean he'll finish top five or 10. Like some of these guys we talked about today, I think possibly have that upside. But if it means Antonio Gibson's a free agent and finishes as a top 30 back, top 35 back, is a flex option for you a couple of weeks. I think that's pretty solid. So that's where I'm at right now. Please do hit the subscribe button. Join the Discord as well. There's a Discord link down below. You can check that out. Totally free. We're talking in there. My name is Sal Vetri. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hit that like button before you go. Smash that subscribe button. Check everything out. The $10 draft guide. It's going to be free, really, just through Monkey Knife Fight. It's going to sponsor it. Depending on when you're watching this, I'll have a link down below in the description if you're watching this around mid June. If you're watching this before mid June and the official site launch date, just wait a little bit. The link won't be down there just yet, but I'll be sure to put it down in some of my newer videos and then come back and put it in this one. Or you can reach out to me on Twitter at DFS to try and get in early or just enter the Discord and you'll stay up very easily that way. That's probably your best bet. Get into the Discord totally free. So my name's Sal. I appreciate you all tuning into this video. I will see you on the next one. Stay safe out there and peace out game.